0: What's up, guys? It's the Blue Bloods, and we're coming back at you with another huge episode. We're joined by a very special guest today on the podcast. He is currently the sideline reporter for the Georgia Bulldogs and co-host of the Bulldogs Game Week. Mr. Chuck Dowdle is with us today, and we just want to say we appreciate you joining us today.
1: Uh, guys glad to be there i mean it 's a, it's a pleasure to you know have an opportunity to be on your podcast <laughs> I definitely definitely
0: appreciate it um, so you know I feel like it 's only right to start with last season for the bulldogs, the trip to atlanta the s e c championship. Nothing to be disappointed about there, but...
1: Are you kidding?
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, there seem to be some people critical, but just overall as a season, did this team meet, exceed, or fall just below your preseason expectations?
1: I I think last year uh, it was a team that um, exceeded expectations on one side of the football and fell uh, demonstrably short on the other side. If coming out of spring practice and the G-Day game... I remember full well everybody saying, boy, we're just going to have to outscore everybody, which we can do because our defense isn't very good. Uh, but it turned out to be just the opposite. Our defense was outstanding. Uh, our offense struggled. And that was kind of a surprise, I think, uh, more of a, a disappointment than – than. Uh, than anything else during the season was we just we just never were able to really get in sync offensively, uh you know we were able to obviously beat a lot of teams and you know but never with the authority and never with the uh, uh, with the consistency uh, on the on the offensive side of the football that we had all anticipated coming out of out of spring practice in last year's G-Day game.
0: Right, and and kind of sticking with that, a lot of fans, or at least people I knew around Georgia and just SEC football, were very critical of quarterback Jake Fromm, and I I probably think that doesn't help that Justin Fields had the season he had at Ohio State. Do you think the criticism of Fromm is fair, or can you maybe let us and our listeners know why he may be overlooked or maybe even underappreciated?
1: You know, I I, I think it was fair. I think Jake was fairly critical of his play. Uh, You know, there were some throws he made during the course of the season that uh, I know he'd love to have back. Uh, One that he made against South Carolina just before the half. Uh, Georgia was going into uh, driving on a drive to uh, go in and take a nice lead into the locker room at halftime, uh, and, and he, he made a, a poor pass, and it was picked off in return for a touchdown. South Carolina goes on to win that football game. Now, there were other things that contributed to it, of course, but that was a key play in the game, and we saw that too often. Some of that had to do with the fact that Georgia had lost – you know. Uh, a good number of their really quality receivers uh, that Jake had depended so, uh, you know, so prominently on uh, the year before. And so I think that figured into it, but as to whether or not um, that was the key reason for the offensive performance last year, I'd be hesitant to say that. I think the offensive line, which was supposed to be a, a big strength for Georgia, I think at times it struggled. Um, so th- there were a number of things that contributed to the offense, but fortunately, you know, like, like you said, like I said earlier, uh, defensively, that was an area where we thought we were going to have trouble coming out of G day and, and defensively Georgia was as good, if not better than anybody in the country.
2: Right. A- absolutely. You know, I have to agree with you hundred percent there. Uh, and going into last season, many experts expected big things from Jake Frondi DeAndre Swift and so on. I mean, like you said, this offense was highly touted going into the season, um, but the defense seemed to be the, uh, seemed to be the main star there. But was there
1: one player that really surprised you uh, or had a breakout season this past year? (sighs) One player that had a breakout season. There's no question if you're going to pick one guy that, that just really, um, if for no other reason than the fact that he was a true freshman, but George Pickens, uh, you know, he started out a little slowly and then boy when he got the hang of it he was uh he was something to watch and uh, yeah i mean he he clearly is going to be a a dominant player in the southeastern conference and so as a true freshman last year i thought he had a great a great breakout year i was really proud of the year that George Pickens had yeah
2: for sure i mean he is if you can't tell right now he's going to be a star for everybody listening out there um, yeah, but I want to move there's on. No, there's
1: no question that young man. You know, he's at a level that you just don't see out of a true freshman. Now, I got to tell you, Dominic Blaylock also played well. So, you know, he he played well too. But he just doesn't quite have that. Uh, that spectacular catchability that, that this young man seems to, you know, Baylor tried everything in the world to cover him in the first half uh, of the sugar bowl this past year. And, uh, and, and just couldn't do it. I mean, they just couldn't cover him. Uh, and, and you see why uh, the Georgia is so excited to have that young man back now coming in for his sophomore season. Uh, you know, he's a guy that Georgia flipped on National Signing Day from Auburn. He had been committed to Auburn, committed to Auburn, committed to Auburn. And then day of signing, he flips and signs with Georgia. And uh, there were a lot of folks in Alabama that weren't real happy. Right, right. No,
2: There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, moving into next season
1: just a little bit, um,
2: you know, we can't, we can't really kick off this interview without talking a little bit about Jamie Newman. Uh, we see him transferring from Wake Forest, and he's projected to step into the QB1 role in Athens. Uh, so where, what are your first impressions of Jamie Newman? What do you expect him to bring to Athens? First off, a lot of
1: maturity, uh, young man, you know, has experience, uh, you know, he, he's not, un, uh, he's not unaccustomed to being the guy. Uh, he certainly was that at Wake Forest. Uh, he's going to step into a role where he's going to have to be the guy for the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, he has a lot of talent with throwing the football, great arm, uh, but a lot of accuracy particularly Particularly on the deep ball, uh, he he is very good throwing deep passes, and then he's got that scrambling ability that that Jake didn't have. Now Jake had you know Jake brings a lot of things to the picnic, but uh, maneuverability in the pocket wasn't one of them. And and this young man has that, and he's got size and speed. You know he, he's a uh, he's a Justin Fields wannabe. You know, I don't think he's quite a tick behind he's that good a quarterback uh, based on what I've seen of his video at Wake Forest uh, and what I've seen of the workouts uh, that he's put in at Georgia. I think that he's a guy that, uh, you know, Kirby's smart. You don't pull the wool over his eyes very often. And I think he once he had an inkling that uh, Jake Fromm may be looking at, uh, at greener pastures in the NFL, then I, I think at that point, Kirby started to look around, and, and this was a guy that he, you know, set his sights on. And uh, lo and behold, would you know it? Jamie Newman ends up in Athens almost instantly. And so, so this, uh, this is a young man that's going to be, uh, you know, quite a catch for Georgia. Now the question becomes: with a new offensive coordinator, Todd Monken, can they can they put it all together? Uh, they've got a lot of holes in that offensive line to fill. Can they do that? However, I think that, uh, that Jamie Newman's a guy that could make it happen,
2: right? And, and you talked about Jake from already. I mean, you talked about Kirby Smart, maybe seeing him moving on to greener pastures. You know, he went to the NFL draft. Um, I know that I was fairly critical of that decision. I thought maybe he could have uh, uh, he could have benefited from another year in Athens. But but I what agree. was the right? Yeah, that. So that was my question. I, I want to know what you thought about it. Maybe what the um, maybe
1: consensus view on this was in Athens well I I think it was uh I think most people really hated to see Jake go uh maybe selfishly Uh, I I felt just from looking at Jake play I I thought that my feeling was he wasn't quite where he needed to be to go to the NFL now you know we'll wait and see you know he, he certainly dropped in the draft but um Jake is the kind of guy that you knew that the process, and when I say the process, uh, you, you knew the process was not going to be kind to. And by that, I mean, look, he, when he went to the combine, you knew he was not going to blow guys away with his speed, uh, with his uh, arm strength, uh, with his uh, regular strength. I mean, he's just not that kind of an athlete. You knew where he would blow people away, would be with an interview. You could put any defense you wanted to up on a chalkboard and Jake could look at it and tell you immediately where the ball needed to go. I mean, that's that's that was his strength. But was that going to be enough to get him a high draft selection? And I didn't feel – going into it that it would. I, I thought the process would not treat him well, and that's exactly what happened, and he dropped down the draft board. Now, that doesn't mean that Jake Fromm won't have uh, a good uh, NFL career because we certainly hope that he does. I mean, we love that young man. He is is, is sharp and is wonderful to be around. I mean, he's a leader. Uh, he's got so many attributes that uh, that you look for, uh, not just in a, in a quarterback but in a teammate. And so, you know, I I hope he gets the opportunity to really uh, show himself and and not have to step into it too quickly, that he can be brought along slowly and given that opportunity. uh, I I think he could, you know, have a nice NFL career. But he's not the kind of guy that's going to go in and wow you.
0: Right. And so, like, you talk about Jake Franz, one of the players that left for the draft. I mean, we saw Georgia lose other players such as DeAndre Swift, Andrew Thomas, Isaiah Wilson all these players went to the draft there are a lot of there's a lot of open roles that younger players must step into next season sort of like George Pickens did this past season can you give our listeners some insight on some players to watch out for next season that you really see breaking onto the scene next season
1: as i pointed out earlier George has got got a lot of places uh, on offense that they've got to get help a guy that i'm looking uh, anxious to see and hoping that we get the opportunity to see him you know that's also very much up in the air, uh, is the running back out of California, Kendall Milton. He's a big kid. He reminds you a lot in appearance of Todd Gurley. Uh, He runs a little more uh, like Todd than you – he doesn't have quite the speed that Todd Gurley has, but he runs that kind of upright – you you know what I'm talking about? He he kind of – you know how Todd sort of runs upright, and he's got that kind of upright – Gate to him when he takes off with the football, and uh, if he doesn't, if he can take the beating, because when you run like that, you know that gives defenders in the SEC a pretty big target. Uh, but. If, if this young man, if, if he can, uh, you know, take some hits and uh, get the opportunity, I think he could be a real plus for Georgia, and I, I'm excited to see him.
0: Right. I think you see that running style being more common, especially with someone like Ty Gurley. Even Derrick Henry has that sort of gliding, upright running style. Um, but, you know, looking at Georgia's schedule, I mean, the obvious tough games that are always there are there in Auburn and Florida. Those are always dragged down physical games, and but that – the week three game uh, being in Boy. Tuscaloosa against Alabama is different. Um, this, that's unique for this year. I mean, how big is this game for the Bulldogs? And will this game for you set the tone for how this season is going to turn out?
1: No, I, I don't think it'll do that. They had two really great games against Alabama and lost them both. It, it's time. And so you need to – Step into it this and win this uh, right, uh, you know, against Alabama or win a national championship against Alabama and and take control of the SEC. I think Georgia's on that path, and that's kind of where Kirby has his hat set: is to beat Alabama. And to beat Alabama, you need to beat Alabama. And so, for that reason, I think it's an important game. But will it define Georgia's season? I don't think so. I think it's entirely possible. And I'm assuming here now, you know, we're, we're facing an awful lot of issues between now and September 7th when we kick off the season or are scheduled to kick off the season uh, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium against Virginia. Uh, we we got, a lot of, we got a lot of hurdles to clear between now and then. But assuming that that is the case and we are going to play a regular season, that third game of the year, you could see a repeat of that uh, in the SEC championship game.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, and, I mean, if that game, you know, doesn't come out in Georgia's favor, I mean, who's to say that defines them? I and mean, it doesn't define them, like you said. I mean, we saw Georgia have a loss to South Carolina this past season. They still ended up in the SEC championship. I mean, it's just things in the SEC um, can't You be never know. in one game. Exactly. Yeah, and, exactly. But
1: and you never know in, in the conference. Uh, you know, you, you just – it's 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 definitely that's it's the reason that the SEC is where it is uh, on the um, uh, on the college football stage. It's it's the big dog and everybody knows it. Uh, but right. you know you don't know from week to week. You know what awaits you. But if you if you're not ready uh, on any given week, you're going to get embarrassed. Uh, Georgia, as we mentioned, found that out against South Carolina last year. But other teams have found it out against Georgia. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a great conference. And for that reason, you know, we've really got our fingers crossed that we can play a full schedule and play a full SEC schedule. Right, absolutely. Uh, and building off of that, looking ahead at next season, uh, we like
2: to ask this to any guests that we have on, no matter what team they represent, what do you see the
1: ceiling for the Bulldogs this upcoming year? And uh, what do you see as the floor for Georgia? What, what do I see as the, as, the, as the ceiling for them, the ceiling and the floor? Uh, the, the ceiling for me would be to to run the table because I, I think Georgia has so many talented players. Kirby Smart and the staff that he has assembled—not just this year, but the one he had last year, and the one the year before that, and the one the year before that—they've done such a great job of stocking four and five-star talent uh, on that roster that uh, that you know you expect you expect. Um, great things every year as well. You should. I mean, when you see talented players time and time again, committing and signing to one school, you expect that school to be pretty good. So the right. ceiling is high. The expectations are high uh, where the floor would be. I think uh, for Georgia, I, I think if, if you lose more than two games, I, I think it's a real disappointment. I, I think a two, a two, a two loss season would be a loss to Alabama and, and, you know, if, if Florida were to find a way, and I don't think they will, but if Florida were to find a way to beat Georgia and have, and Georgia would have two losses, I think that would be uh, about as low as Georgia can go. I don't think anybody else on that schedule is capable of beating Georgia. And, um, and you know, start with Virginia. They're certainly not. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that you will see anybody else um, – on the SEC schedule or on their um, uh, outside-the-conference schedule, non-conference schedule, uh, beat them. Uh, you know, maybe Alabama, maybe Florida. So I, I think it's that narrow, you know, between the ceiling and the floor. Right. That one's got to hurt, Zach.
0: Yeah, that one hurts me being an Auburn graduate. That one kind of that, – that one stung my soul well, a that, little bit, but I understand.
1: The, Auburn's going to come <laughs> to Athens this year. Auburn, Auburn has to come to Athens and, yeah, and uh, you know, and, and, I, I think right now, I think Georgia's just, a, uh, a tick ahead of, of, of where Auburn is You look, just in recruiting. If you just look at the, at the, um, at the players that Georgia has stacked on their roster, uh, listen, Kirby has come in here and he set the world on fire. He, I mean, he, he really, he has brought in, Five star after five star after five star. And he's got guys behind guys behind guys. And what it enables him to do, as Kirby, if he was sitting here, he's told me many times, he would tell you what it enables him to do is practice the way he loves to practice, which is hard and physical. Because you don't worry if a guy gets hurt, guess what? You got two more waiting just as good to step into his place. And that's what he loves. He loves to be able to practice with hard physical practices.
0: Love it. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm not going to argue with you. Georgia is definitely from top to bottom more talented than Auburn. It's just a homer over here for, with me. But, you know, you, you did <coughs> that's, talk that's
1: about – Listen, <laughs> i got to tell you something. I feel strong I, – I am – listen, nobody – you can't tell me anything more about Auburn that I already know. I've always felt like there has to be, you know, for people that can't get into college, there has to be a place to. And, and, you know, <laughs> that, and I feel very strongly about that. So, so I, I totally understand and appreciate Auburn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I got you there but you know you talk about Kirby <laughs> Smart you talk about Kirby Smart and I really wanted to talk about him on the podcast we have a long list of Kirby Smart questions here I mean he came to Athens in 2016 from Tuscaloosa and I was at a few games in his first season and it was an up and down year but what were your first impressions of Kirby and based off that 2016 season did you honestly see the trajectory that this team was going to take after that first season?
1: Oh yeah, I'll tell you this story. Kirby would tell you the same. He would. He, he was totally. If there was one thing Kirby did not know, um, and did not, never expected, was he? He did not think that uh, a freshman quarter. Okay, he comes to Georgia in two thousand sixteen. His starting quarterback is Jacob Eason, and Jacob Eason. Uh, has to play most of the year, and then the, I think Georgia went, if I recall, eight and five. And so, and, and Easton's a quarterback. And so the next year, Kirby's really pumped up because he thinks, okay, now I've got a quarterback that's a that's not a freshman anymore. He's a sophomore. Uh, he's going to really step up and really help us uh, because he's going to, you know, got that year of experience. He's been in the system. He knows what we expect. And then the First game, that very first game, you know, in Athens, he. what happens like on the second series, when he went out, they thought the injury was perhaps season-ending for him. They did not know at that particular time that Easton would, in fact, be able to rehab and come back in about four weeks, three or four weeks. But at the time, they thought that he was done for the year. In comes Jake Fromm. Well, Georgia wins that game. They had to kind of, you know, tone down the offense. But, you know, he he wasn't expected to He thought Jacob Beeson was going to be the guy. Well, we win the game. We come in the locker room. And, you know, normally you're pretty excited about an opening season, opening win. And uh, Kirby's sitting there next to me. We're waiting to do radio. And uh, he's kind of rubbing his eyes and his head, just kind of. And I said, you okay? And he looked at me. He says, yeah. He said, I just can't believe I've got to play another year with a freshman quarterback. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and little did he know that freshman quarterback the next week goes up to south bend and in his first start on the road in that atmosphere against one of the most iconic programs in the history of college football he beats them and then from there it just took off and and then when eason did come back he couldn't win the job back so i i think at the at the end of that year if, if you want to know a difference between Kirby Smart now and Kirby Smart then, is that then Kirby Smart didn't think a, fr- a true freshman quarterback could could take you anywhere. I think he feels differently now. I think Jay yeah, yeah. Pratt taught, taught him that lesson. You can take a – I'm sure they worked hard with him, but you can take a true freshman quarterback that's got talent and ability and leadership skills, and you can get a lot done. Right. Nobody was going to teach you that it's Jake Fromm. I mean, good Lord.
0: Kirby's biggest strength is recruiting, which you kind of highlighted earlier in the show. I mean, most evidently number one class, according to 247 Sports last year. And I just thought it stuck out to me that out of the five stars that Kirby landed, he got them out of Arizona Georgia, Florida, Nevada, in your opinion, how does how does he continually land the biggest recruits in the country, and how does his reach stretch all the way to the West Coast like it does currently?
1: Well, there have been a number of things that have helped. The fact that Georgia had such a great year and it's in his second season, you know, when they went, they had that fabulous Rose Bowl win uh, that, you know, captivated the nation. I think a lot of kids out West saw Georgia in that Rose Bowl and thought, you know... I could play for that guy. I'd love. I'd love to go play for that school. I think that helped, but I do think also Kirby can go get anybody. If you ever have the opportunity, uh, each and every week after games, I'm in a locker room where Kirby's talking to these kids, and I got to tell you something. He connects with these kids like nothing you have ever seen. He'll step up on a stool in the middle. He'll tell everybody to take a knee after a game. He'll step up on a stool. He'll start talking to them. That head will start bouncing and that hair flopping around. And you look in those kids' eyes, and they're mesmerized. I mean, he has their attention. He has absolutely – I mean, he gets out of them what he wants. And he lets them know about it uh, if it's not what he wants. And there's no mistaking, he, he is terrific at that. He connects with these young men like nothing I've ever seen. After that Rose Bowl win out in Pasadena, he came into that locker room. Now, what a you know, you overtime, you come from behind, you beat Oklahoma, and you win it uh, in sudden death in overtime. And <laughs> what happens? Kirby comes in that locker room. Now, that's, that's the semifinal game. Now, you're going to the national championship game. And he steps up on a stool and gets those kids down in front of him. And he says, Guys, we're not celebrating. We'll have time to celebrate this later on. Back across the country and get off our feet and get some rest so that we can start a full week of preparation for a national championship. And let's not be celebrating this. We, we'll have a chance to celebrate a big Rose Bowl win later. But right now, let's do what's, what's the best thing for this team to be prepared to fill underway at the time uh, next week. So
2: I mentioned the transfer of Jamie Newman earlier, uh, but there was another big-time transfer who will be arriving very soon in JT Daniels. What's yeah. your opinion on Daniels? Yeah. And, and what do you – and do you think that Daniels has the opportunity to push Newman out of the starting spot uh, this season if he's eligible?
1: If he's – well, you, and you hit the big if, if he's eligible. I will tell you this. I talked uh, today – I'm not sure if you're familiar with a gentleman named Rusty Mansell, uh, one of the top recruiting analysts uh, in the country, if if not the best. Uh, but Rusty told me this morning that, uh, that he felt uh, – not taking back that he didn't feel, but he had talked to people in JT Daniels circle and they all felt very strongly that he was going to get a clearance uh, waiver from the NCAA to be eligible immediately for Georgia, that he had lawyered up. He had lawyered up very heavily, had a good case and felt that the NCAA was going to grant him the waiver. So if that, and and, and I got to tell you, I've had, Rusty Mansell tell me very few things that didn't come to pass. So uh, if that indeed happens, you know, I don't think he's the kind of kid that right this minute can push Jamie Newman because of Jamie Newman's experience. You know, uh, JT Daniel uh, got hurt in his freshman year and he's been out a while. I think it's going to take him a little while to, you know, to kind of get back to where he was. But I do think, that that's a talented young man that will serve Georgia well down the road uh, and would be a great backup to have on this roster would certainly give Kirby Smart and his staff uh, a little bit of uh, an air of uh, not so worried about what happens with Jamie Newman on the field. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And to say that he would be a great backup, I mean, that's even
2: an understatement, honestly. Um, Yeah but I want to go ahead and shift uh, to a big debate that we've had on this podcast and Zach and I have even had personally, uh, but it does involve Georgia uh, ESPN released their rankings, in position U, and did not include Georgia in their top 10 teams for, for this one position. Zach yeah, running shoes back. running back. Exactly. Zach take Georgia as his number one RBU. I had them in my top three, I believe, uh, so why do you think Georgia got overlooked in this in this
1: uh, discussion or in this list? You know, I, I wondered that at the time. Uh, you know, I have no idea. Sometimes I wonder what goes through. Listen, uh, there were people that didn't vote Hank Aaron into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. So, I That's mean, true. you know, if I start trying to figure out what on earth was that journalist thinking, you know, when they did that, uh, you know, we, we'll be driving ourselves crazy. But uh, I do think that Georgia, Georgia can make a strong case for it. You know, Auburn can make a strong case for it. You know, there are a lot of schools that can that – can, uh, Southern Cal can make a strong case for There are a lot of schools out there that have a history of turning out great running backs. Um, I think Georgia has turned out the greatest. That, that's my my personal opinion. And number 34, uh, I think there are a lot of people that still look at that guy and say – I think we could suit him up next week. He could get us probably seventy-five to a hundred yards. Oh, but yeah. uh but I I do I do think that Georgia has you know, they grabbed that moniker a long time ago. Uh and and they've they've uh they really haven't let it go. They have turned it out. Uh, a Todd Gurley and a Nick Chubb and a no Sean Marino. Uh, now DeAndre Swift. I mean, boy, there are a lot of great backs that come out of Georgia and they continue to come to Georgia because they know they're going to get the football.
0: Right. And I mean, to be fair on the podcast, we had a greatest player, bracket uh, in in change of March Madness and Herschel Walker was both our pick for the greatest player of all time even as an Auburn fan I'm picking Herschel Walker here so I I think it's pretty clear that Herschel Walker is respected by fans all across the country to say the least and we talk about this position you think and there is one that ESPN did have Georgia ranked number one and that's a linebacker. And we talked about this on the podcast. I personally think Roquan Smith is probably the best linebacker in recent college football history, and I think he added a lot of value to the position for Georgia. Can you speak on what you saw from Roquan and what he brought to the Bulldogs' defense and what made him so special? Or And then can you also highlight some linebackers that an average fan might, that might, might not know that also probably should be mentioned here in this linebacker debate?
1: Wow. Uh, well, he was a Buckus Award winner. I mean, out of the gate. I mean, that's that says something. Uh, Roquan had speed. Uh, has speed. I shouldn't say had speed. Uh, he he could cover sideline to sideline. Uh, he had a certain tenacity. Uh, you know that that uh, the only other player that I could compare that I saw on a on a week in week out basis with Georgia was back when Jarvis Jones. Uh, was playing for Georgia he had a had a knack Jarvis Jones had a knack for making the big play at just the right time just when Georgia needed it and Roquan had that same ability he'd come up with the big fumble or he'd make the big hit or break up a pass or do something uh that 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 was a big play at a big moment in the game and that's what big players do I mean that's that's what the great players do, but I, I got to tell you, as far as linebackers go, I would think Roquan is is probably, if he's not the best in recent recent years, you know he's certainly in the top two or three. As as for, I, I'm reluctant to say who I would pick because as a, doing Georgia football, one of the things that's that's great about it is I get to see great players every week. But what's kind of the other side is. I really don't get to see on a consistent basis guys that that are really good players for other teams. Um, I, I hope that makes sense to you. Uh, I'm trying to remember the young yeah. man's name. There, there was a there was a a, a linebacker that was with I want to say it was one of the lesser teams, like Vandy or Missouri or somebody that was. That we saw one that I was told in advance that this was a guy that Georgia was going to have to stop, and it turned out. Oh, I know who it was. It was the kid for Kentucky. Uh, the, the Josh Allen. A, uh, pardon? Was it Josh Allen? That's exactly right. Josh, I couldn't think of his name. Josh Allen. And uh, you know, we'd heard, all we'd heard about was you know you couldn't block him, you couldn't stop him. You had to, you know, you had. Well, guess what? He did nothing against Georgia. You know, if I had to come away and judge Josh Allen based on what I saw of him, you know, in that one game, I'd have thought, boy, that, you know, who were people looking at? Uh, and so that's one of the disadvantages to what I do is being with Georgia. I don't get to see other guys. You know, clearly that was not the game. Obviously, he did not have a great game against Georgia, but obviously also he had a lot of great games against other teams. Because you know he was getting recognition, you know, coast to coast. Uh, there were right. billboards. There were billboards up with that guy's, uh, you know, picture on them. So uh, you know, that's that's the one bad thing about uh, about what I do is you know I get to see our guys, but I don't get to make judgments that often on guys on other teams. Right, right. Um, so we only
2: have, uh, we only have a couple more questions left, uh, but we'd like to end this interview um, talking about your time at Georgia, talking about your career and your time working on the sidelines. Um, so we've seen some legendary games involving the Bulldogs and some amazing players, to say the least. Um, what game throughout your career has really stuck out to you as one game that you'll never forget? Or are there a few of them? Or um, I, I, don't, I, I guess I just said one because uh, that's typically what we like to stick to.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, there, there are so many. If, if you ask me about my whole career – uh, you know, I was at the uh, when Doug Flutie threw the Hail Mary against Miami in the Orange Bowl. I was at that game, uh, so I saw that. And then I saw, I got to tell you something. Then I saw Hail Mary, you know that uh, that Tennessee threw against uh, Georgia uh, in Athens. I was on the both. I was on the wrong side of both of those. Hail Mary's by the way, Oh, man. But, um, oh man. but yeah, I, you know, I've seen a lot of great games. I, I've been fortunate and been blessed to uh, be in a business where, you know, I've been around a lot of great athletes and, and seen some uh, terrific football games. I, I'll tell you, you know, I would rank right up there. Certainly the, the, the Georgia Alabama game that was the national championship game. That was a great game. The, uh, the, um, uh, Georgia Oklahoma game in the Rose Bowl that was a great game, but I thought you know I thought the Georgia Alabama game SEC championship game with Aaron Murray, uh, you know when Todd Gurley and and then at that with that last play you know when uh, you, you you'll recall that because they tipped the ball we catch it but time expires you know down Georgia right. couldn't get off another play but they had driven down with a you know Aaron Murray had taken them on a on a great. Uh, drive. How about the one in Auburn? How about that game where Auburn hits the, you know, the, what's that? The prayer at Jordan hair. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, and I'll tell you a funny story about that one is that I was so mad. I took off my headset and I just went storming into the locker room, you know, knowing that we had lost the game and, I'm, <laughs> and I go back in the locker room and I'm sitting back in the back of the where where Coach Rick's got to come and when the team when the game's over and the team comes in and and suddenly the assistant equipment manager comes back and says you better get back out there Aaron's got us <laughs> at the twenty yard line I went what I mean and Aaron Murray had brought the Georgia team if you'll recall back down the you know back down the field and actually yeah. had a chance to Georgia had a chance to get it in the end zone and win still. Right.
0: Yeah, that was a, a crazy, crazy game, and I was actually at the Tennessee Georgia game where Tennessee hit the hail mary, and that was easily one of the craziest games I think I've ever personally been to. And I've been to a lot, but I was with a bunch of Georgia fans, and to say the car ride home was not was not oh. as enjoyable as I would have liked.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure, but it was that was one of those where you know the the Tennessee fans were stunned. And then suddenly, the Georgia fans were stunned, and, um, yes. and and it was, you know, you had two teams snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, and and it was it was uh, uh, it was one I'll never forget, and I'm sure Coach Mark will never forget. But it was uh, it was his first year, and and uh, things have definitely been on the uptick since.
0: That's that's true. And so we got one last question here. And like I said, I've personally been to Athens multiple times, saw some big time games. I was at the Georgia-Alabama game there. I I saw Georgia beat Auburn in 2016 when Auburn came in a top 10 team. Um, But can you kind of convey to our listeners what makes Athens so special on game day and what makes Sanford Stadium one of the best stadiums in college football on Saturdays?
1: I mean so you've got 90 and it's uh, and, and the atmosphere in there is just uh, electric every time Georgia takes the field but what it's a special little town you know they, they say Athens is the ultimate college town and it really is i mean you walk down just just steps from from uh uh Sanford Stadium and 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 you are in uh you know a mix of little bars and restaurants and just just fans all over the street it's got a it's got a feel to it on game day that is unlike anywhere else it really is uh it's a special place for people to come to see and the sad part right now as we sit here uh today guys is that you know we don't know what that's going to be this year and and we've got like i said earlier we got a lot of hurdles uh to clear between now and the time that we can get to where we want to be and what we're hoping is that everybody will do as their uh, as their health officials are asking them to do, and and wear masks, and socially distance, and you know, wash their hands, and and do the things to try to help us get to where we want to be, and 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 where we want to be. We want to be at Jordan Air Stadium, and we want to be at Sanford Stadium, and you know, we want to be, uh, you know. Uh, it, at uh, Bryant-Denny Stadium and all the great iconic venues around the SEC watching what we love to watch on fall afternoons in the South, and that's SEC football.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to disagree at all there, but that is a wrap on our interview. We want to thank you so much for coming on, especially in a time like this, and just dropping all this knowledge about Georgia football with us.
1: Well, listen. I appreciate the invitation. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate you guys uh, bringing a little uh, interest and uh, uh, a lot of enthusiasm to SEC football and, and uh, for this uh, for this podcast at least to the Georgia Bulldogs.
0: That's right. We, we, talk, we, we talk a lot of SEC. We're a national we're a college football podcast. We talk a lot of SEC since we were both, you know, Brandon grew up LSU fan. I went to Auburn, and so we talk a lot of SEC football here. But we, if we have a season this fall, which I know we all hope, hope we do, we definitely look forward to having you on uh, for some of these big Georgia games coming up.
1: Well, I'll, I'll look forward to it. You'd reach out anytime, and uh, I appreciate the invitation, and go dogs!
0: <laughs> That's right. But, guys, that is a wrap on this interview. I'm not going to drop any of our social media. You guys know what that is. But we'll be back next week with with, with some more big episodes, so stay tuned for that. But for right now, we're out.